0: This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. Can we just welcome him now to just kind of do whatever he wants for this next few hours? Just. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Come on, if, you, if you're agreeing with me, I want to hear you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We welcome you here right now just to do whatever you want to do. Have your way. Have your way. It's been really great the past three weeks, but we expect more. Because you are not a God of sustaining. You are a God of more. You are not a God of last week. You are a God of now and the future. You, so, Lord, just do what you want to do in this place this morning. Father, we even speak over everyone that watches this afterwards, that, Lord, you would touch their lives, Lord. People that watch this would be drawn into the love of the Lord, and we would hear incredible testimonies of what God's doing, not only in this house, but online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning just for a few minutes about Jesus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You guys are so easy, man. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Some places you say that they're like, duh, you know. Um, I, I want to talk to you about praise this morning. I want to talk to you about the topic of praise. Matter of yes. fact, um, I tried to get all the band before they left. I'm like, we're gonna get you back up there at the end because we're gonna like absolutely rip the roof off this place at the end. But I, I just want to talk to you just a few minutes on the topic of praise because it's very, very dear to my heart. I've always been uh, those of you that don't have been, been here that long. I led worship for like 15 years, 18 years. Uh, I don't know. I I started full-time when I was 18 years old. Like, I went straight into full-time ministry at 18 years old. And um, I've led worship to, you know, empty rooms (laughs) with a couple people there. And I've led worship at conferences. And there's one thing that I've noticed with worship is that there's one thing that always changes the atmosphere of a service. It's if you've got a people that come, and they're waiting for something to happen so they can respond, or if you've got a group of people that come, and they'll praise before anything even happens. Yeah. Yeah. When, you that, when you get that latter group, the ones that say, listen, whatever happens, I'm coming, I'm churning on my praise, we're going to go for it. It is so, like, irresistible to the Father that he's going to show up, and there's, there's a couple different types of praise, and basically one is a result of something, which it's, how many of you know it's still appropriate that when something good happens, we give him praise? It's absolutely appropriate that we respond in praise. But then there's another type of praise that says that we praise before anything even happens. And this, this uh, the question is, do we have the ability to give thanks before we even have a reason to? <laughs> or, or even worse, when you Everything's going wrong, and you really don't feel like you have a reason to. I'm going to be a little transparent with you this morning. How many of you know sometimes you just have like some rough weeks? How many of you that's like, hey, yeah, now I'm, now I'm tracking with you? <laughs> rough, month. rough month. It's been a rough decade, actually. Um, so <laughs> Two thousands have been tough on me. Um, (laughs) Oh, we got some work to do. (laughs) But listen, there's this, there is this, uh, for me personally, I can tell you that for Tiffany and I, man, we've just had some, like the past two or three weeks for us, they've been a challenge, man. Like we've had so much stuff going on in our life and so many people pulling on us and I can tell you this much, when I come into the presence of the Lord, if I don't make up my mind right up front, I'm going to praise Him, it's not going to really get anywhere. And, and see, when we begin to enter into the realm of praise, here's the thing, there's a couple different realms of praise. There's the realm of praise that's the response that thanks Him for what He's done, and then there's the realm of praise that praises Him for who He is. The beauty is, is when you begin to praise Him for who He is, He tends to do some really amazing stuff in your life. And you find yourself in this cycle of praise. Because you praise him for who he is, he responds, and you praise him because he's good. And you praise him for who he is, and then he responds, and then you praise him because he's been so good. But when you get into this place where we come in and we're like, well, I'll praise him once he does something. Well, first of all, if you're breathing, he has done something. So there's really no excuse to ever not praise him. You are alive. There's a really good reason to praise him. But there's, there's, there's been so many years where I would lead praise and worship, and I'm so blessed that this team has such a, like ecstatic atmosphere to lead worship in, because I remember I would lead worship some years, and people would just, you know. I'm talking good, spirit-filled, like I know them, like we're buddies, you know. Like... And I'd be like, I, I, if I know I'm good enough, I'll be really like, well, what was your problem? You know, and they're, and, and, and they're like, well, you know, I was just waiting to feel it. Isn't that a problem when we've diminished our worship to our being filtered through our feelings? But the religious spirit has taught you that, you know, all this stuff about that if we praise and it's not, we've got such a fear. Well, it's got to be 100% God or it's flesh. Well, first of all, whoever said that you're, we've made flesh and sin synonymous. That's a problem. Because David said that my heart and my flesh cry out to you. So here's the thing. Even if you got a, Go for it before you feel it. David showed us that model. And he said, listen, my heart and my flesh cry out. Some people come, well, I don't want to be in the flesh. Well, just you need to just get your flesh all cleaned up and you'll be good and just go for it. And so there's this type of praise, though, that happens that is it's really important that it's it's in advance of it's ahead of. And it's so important because when we do that, it just naturally draws the father. I'm a dad. I've got three kids, and I, uh, there's nothing that makes my heart happier than, like, when my kids are really excited to see me. And I remember when we used to have, now it's a guest room, but a long time ago, we had a, um, a playroom over our garage in our current house. And when, when you pull in, it was, like, over the garage, so there's a couple windows up there. And I'd pull in and, you know, they'd hear daddy was home from, from work, right? You know, and, and they'd be like jumping up and down, waving in the window. And then my, my Addy was like at that point like three. So all I saw was a little thing on top of her head, like trying to look up over the window. So just her hair sticking up. <laughs> and how many of you know that when that's happening, I don't care what phone call I'm on. I don't care what's going on. I am trying to get off as quickly as possible to get in that house and be with my kids. There is something that happens when kids give praise to their parents that draws them in. There's something that happens when my kids are, oh, Dad's home. He's the best. Yay. He's so much fun. Dude, man. And mom, sorry. She's like, and mom. And mom. Mom's way better than Dad. <laughs> but, but there's something that happens that draws us in. And I, I'm just looking, I am, I'm, I'm pressing, I'm, I'm raising the bar higher in this place that we're not just a people that respond in praise, that we're a people that we prepare a place in praise. Yeah. That we don't just come in and then the music starts and it's like, oh, that's jam and I can get in that. But it's like, listen, I don't care what happens, I'm here to offer up praise. Because what will happen is, is you'll start feeling, you'll start experiencing levels of his glory and his presence like you've never experienced before. Why? Because he's drawn into praise. Whew. <laughs> it says in Psalm 22, 3, but you are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of your people. I can feel it. You are enthroned in the praises of your people. What's that mean? That means that when you lift up your voice, when you begin to praise Him, no matter what situation you're in the middle of, He says, I'm going to go ahead and set up my throne right here. And here's the cool thing, when He sets up His kingdom, everything else comes with it. Wherever the king is, His kingdom is. And he brings his kingdom right into the midst because people praise him. Praise creates this. Praise creates this highway for God to come in on. The Bible says, and in, in, in one of my favorite scriptures, and I'll give you a little bit of context. But 2 Samuel, chapter six, talks about when the ark. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was brought back into Israel. And you remember they had, there was all this crazy stuff that happened where the Ark was taken and it was put in a tent and then like they made a mistake and put like this Dagon, this idol in the same room with the presence. It is the funniest story in the Bible, in my opinion. (laughs) It's one of the funniest stories because every time they would come in, this idol would be fallen on the floor (laughs) in the presence of God. And it was like all of its like arms and these pieces were breaking off of it because you can't take two different up. If you get something in the presence of God, it will bow. And so here they are, here they are, they they, let's just put them together, that's a bright idea. And every time they come in, here's Dagon, it's like, dink, it's a, just hold on. And they leave, they come back and here's Dagon, dink, and it's like, stuff's broken off. I don't care what it is, it will bow in the presence of the Lord. It will bow in the presence of the Lord. And so, but here's the thing is that when they were finally getting the presence back, here's David. David's this radical worshiper. I mean, the foundation for his victories, the foundation for being a warrior, the foundation for being a king, the foundation of everything he did started as a boy who worshipped. Man, I'm feeling that word for your son. Like Jonah, man, I'm feeling it. Um, He he worshiped it was in it was in the place where he could begin to have these private victories nobody saw that's just a bear i got that (laughs) (laughs) have you ever thought about these stories i mean it's like they're pretty pretty insane i mean if we see like a wild fox around our house bring the children in he's like i got it he was so full of just the confidence in the Lord. Why? Because some, when you praise someone, you become like someone. As you pour out your praises and you pour out your worship on the king, you become like the king. And what happens when perfect love is present, fear is cast out. And so he began to live this life of fearlessness because he prays so much, he worships so much, he began to act and look like the king. And so it didn't bother him. He showed, he showed up on the scene, and here's Goliath, and everyone's like, you know, whoo. David's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? He's talking smack. Like the moment he walks up, everyone is scared. and He begins to mock. I like spicy Christians like that (laughs) when it's used the right way. (laughs) So he shows up. He's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Guys, boys, what are you afraid of? This kid comes on the scene. And so he has this confidence, he has this awareness of the presence of the Lord that honestly should not have even been happening in this old covenant. Like you understand, there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. There are things that David was doing in this old covenant that were actually pointing towards a new covenant. He was actually operating in realms that were not, it's like he was stepping ahead into a different season. And so here he is, they've gone through this process, they've lost the ark, but now the ark is coming back and here he is. In Second Samuel chapter six, verse 14, it says that uh, um, then, then David actually let's take it back to 13. And so it was, those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, that he had sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord. Everybody say before? before. With all his might. Everybody say all. all. So he did it before. And he did it with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. I want you to notice something here. This word before is important because David danced before the Lord. This word before it actually is the word, "is panim, and it means to do it in front of. This is the kind of, this is the kind of praise that we want, to, we want to really sink our teeth into this morning. It's the praise that will happen in front of. It's in front of your breakthrough. It's in front of your healing. It's in front of whatever you're believing for. This kind of praise happens in front of it. Because I believe it's like everything in our life as a believer should be like a praise sandwich. We praise it in and then we praise it for happening. It's like, it's like just this praise sandwich of like, man, that was good. That's how I roll, man. We would be the happiest people on earth if we'd start acting this way. Just some of you are like, that wasn't in my notes. I just came up with that. That was pretty good. Praise sandwich. <laughs> Sometimes I even shock myself when I'm up here. I'm like, that's snazzy. Praise sandwich. Some of you are like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's, I liked it. So, woo. so here's King David. He's laying out this prophetic picture of what it looks like to praise in the presence. Not praise in the presence, to praise in the presence. He's dancing. Getting wild. Clothes flying off. and I'm not going to do that one.
1: <laughs> and and, and here's
0: is, here is that old religious spirit looking down from the window. Well, look at the king today. <sighs> See, David knew that he was bringing back what they were created for. And he goes before it and he dances. That's right. <laughs> David knew that before he was ever a king, he was a worshiper. Yeah. Yeah. David knew that w- before he was ever a warrior, he was a worshiper. Yeah. David knew that if he took everything away, he would still be a worshiper. Yeah. I want you to flip in your Bibles. This is really where we're going to land, Second Chronicles chapter 20 with me. It's probably one of my, as I say about every scripture I read, this one's my favorite. (laughs) You're his favorite. Oh. Second Second, uh, Chronicles chapter 20, thanks. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It's about Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 says, And it happened after that that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. Verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all of Judah. Let's just kind of hold on there again a second. Keep your finger in the scripture there. So Jehoshaphat was afraid. I always tell people being afraid isn't always a bad thing. Just what you do with it is what can become a problem. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and it shifted him to seek the Lord. And so he begins to immediately go after the Lord, and instead of turning deeper into fear, he turned deeper into the Lord. Let's read that again, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. There's something on this. Sometimes when it's a corporate need, there needs to be corporate agreement, And from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Uh, hold on there a second. I want you to catch something. Jehoshaphat is not asking God questions. He's making statements. He's not, he's not getting up and, and, and publicly just wondering, are you not? Are you not? He's like, are you not the God of the nations? What's he doing? He's declaring the greatness of God into the situation. And he's standing up and he's basically he's driving a stake into the ground and saying, you are God. I love people that just go all the way. It's like we're not going to just at home in our prayer closet be like, you're God. He comes like out in front of the whole realm of the cities, and he's like, bam, you are God. And he's making his stance. Verse 7, are you not God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they, dwelt and they dwell in it. And you have built and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name's sake. if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, and famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save us. Verse 10, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whom, whom uh, you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they churned from them and did not destroy them. In verse 11, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Mm-hmm. Jehoshaphat's doing something really interesting here. He's making his problem God's problem. He's saying, "Okay, you gave us this. These are your promises." you're God of the nations. They're coming to kill us. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) He all of a sudden has made his problem God's problem. He's like publicly (laughs) calling, he's like publicly calling out like, all right, are you God? I remember hearing a story one time of uh, of uh, one of our friends of this house, Brian Simmons, he was talking about when he was back on the mission field when he was a missionary. I don't remember what denomination it was. I just know that whichever one it was, they did not believe in the Holy Spirit stuff, which is hilarious if you know Brian now. <laughs> and he said he was out in this, uh, he said when he went out on the mission field and he got there and he said the The first thing that happened is he got off the airplane and there was a bunch of people, these tribal people saying, kill Brian, kill Brian, kill Brian. He's like, no, don't kill Brian. Don't kill Brian. And he found out that kill Brian meant in their language, Uncle Brian. That could have really went bad quickly. Like, nope, out of here. And they're like, kill Brian. (laughs) And so they're yelling out, Uncle Brian, Uncle Brian. And he tells this story of how he went into this very remote jungle. And his purpose was is that he is, he's always been a linguist. Long before the Passion Translation, he's been translating the Bible into, into languages that don't have the Bible written in that language. And so he goes into this, this village, and he said that he was... Everything was going wrong. He's like, my kids were getting bit by snakes. There were floods. Like, I'm talking children almost dying. He's like, if it could went wrong, it went wrong. And he said, I was sitting in my tent one night, and he's like in this little tent or hut, and he said, he said I prayed this prayer out of my frustration. And he basically said, God, if you won't do something here, I'm going to go back to the States and tell everybody you couldn't. It's a bold prayer right there. (laughs) And uh, so he prays that, and uh, basically the Lord began to show him that he had come in with more of an agenda than a purpose of loving the people. How many know when you say something like that, get ready for his response? (laughs) And so... He said he woke up the next morning, and he said that the atmosphere in the village that had been so oppressive, so heavy, was crisp. I, I feel that sometimes when I come into this church, it's like I can't explain it. It's like crisp air that's like charged. Like if somebody lights a match, it will blow. And he, and he said he woke up that morning, and here he is. He's, he's in the village, and he said, I felt something shifted in the atmosphere. So he went... And the Lord told him to go to the, and I hope I'm getting this right, but he said go to the, every hut and basically apologize to them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. And so he went, and he began to go around to every single hut, and he said every time he apologized, the Holy Spirit would hit him, and they'd go out. And, and the whole village got saved, gave their life to the Lord. I'm going somewhere with this. When he came back to the States, he said, I was walking around the grocery store. He's like, I don't even know what happened. He's like, at this point, I don't even believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. And people are falling out. He's like, I don't even, this isn't even a part of my theology. Don't you love it when God messes with you like that? You do realize theology is the study of God. He knows himself much better than you do. <laughs> and so you're never going to know him better than he knows himself. It's just when you think you've really nailed down who he is, he's like, gotcha. And then you, yeah. So he comes back, and he's walking through grocery stores, and he said, I can't explain. I was walking down the aisles, and everybody I would pass was falling out in the spirit, in like food line, and they're like, poof, poof, poof. But what's the point? Brian did something that I see Jehoshaphat did here. He made his problem God's problem. And he said, listen, you. We're in this together. And so here's Jehoshaphat declaring, did you not do this? It's not a question, it's a statement. It's not a question, it's a statement. He is making his stance that are we not in this together? And he begins to make his problem God's problem. He said, your name, he said things like, your name is in this house. It's like, just so you know, your name's on this. He said, it's your possession. You gave it to us as an inheritance. These are the things he's saying publicly. (laughs) Verse 12. O God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What your eyes are fixed on will pretty well always determine the outcome of your situation. What your eyes are fixed on will determine the outcome. Most of the time when I meet with people that are going through something really rough, you have a similar pattern. Their eyes are completely fixed on their mess. It is amazing sometimes how easy it is if you could just get them to get their eyes fixed on heaven and on the Father how quickly things can change jehoshaphat says all right here's the deal this is not looking good pretty much we're dead if you don't show up this is your house it's your possession your name's on it we need you we are fixing our eyes on you so he makes this statement that we are fixing our eyes on you verse 13 you still with me now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. I love that. Got the whole family. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, The son of Zechariah and the son of a lot of other people. And I'm not going to try to say their name. In Verse 15. And he said, listen all you of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. How many of you know, in that moment, that was a really, really great word? (laughs) He said, listen, guys, good news, this one's on God. I love those ones. If there's one thing I've learned about the Lord, often when it comes to battle, he tries to teach us two things, that either we're an overcomer or he's trying to remind us that we're a son or a daughter. And whichever one he's trying to get across is usually how he operates. If he's trying to get us across that, hey, you're a son or a daughter, he'll come in like a father and say, I got this. But sometimes he wants you to realize that you are an overcomer, and he wants you to rise up, and you overcome it. They're very different approaches. Sometimes we feel like the Lord just says, John, you got this. Go for it. You're an overcomer. I got your back. Sometimes the Lord's like, sit back. I got this one. This is one of those ones that was kind of like, all right, the battle's not yours. It's mine. Really, really good. <laughs> really good word. Verse 17. It said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. <laughs> Everybody say position. position. That's important that we position ourselves. What's the point? God is saying, I will win this. I just need you to position yourself. We'll We'll get it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. And with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and his habitants in Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and, and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Yeah, yeah. I haven't quite figured out what the high one is like uh, loud and high. We've got to work into that. <laughs> <laughs> loud and high. Everybody say loud. and high. I don't think that's what it meant, but <laughs> what was that? Woo-hoo. I've looked at all some of these big dudes are like, it's, it's great, man. Loud and high. And here we go. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, (laughs) and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. It's getting good. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So what did God do? He said, stand still and watch. But what happened next was huge because he was heading into the battle, and and we got to get this, Judah means praise. God was saying, if you're going to win this battle, you're going to have to do it in your identity. So many people don't win the battles because they're trying to do it through someone else's identity. It's just like David when they tried to put armor on him that wasn't his. He said, I can't win my battle in your armor. I just need a stone and my sling and I'm good all day. This house will win battles left and right as long as they stay in the identity that we have for us. is not really in my notes. I just feel the Holy Spirit breathing on it. I love, there's so many other wonderful churches, but they're not us and we're not them. I got so many friends out there in Bethel, but we're not Bethel. We'll always be a bad version of Bethel. You'll always be a bad elevation. You'll always be a bad version of someone else if it's not you. So here is this. He says, All right, you guys are praisers. You need to fight this in your identity. Put your praisers out front. How many know that was a scary day to be on the worship team? <laughs> so, this, you know what I mean? Can you imagine Jehoshaphat? So I got this idea. All right, here's what we're going to do. The Lord said, Praise. So this is really radical, but I'm actually going to put the guys with the weapons behind the singers. And you guys are going to go out front, and you're just going to sing. What? I thought when I signed up for the choir, I wasn't going to be a warrior. Now you're putting the choir in front of the warriors. And so here they are. They're like, all right. What does he do? He sends them out. He says, all right. Singers, you're first. You know you got to know that was scary. I mean, come on. I get it that, you know, we're like super spiritual here and we know the Lord's going to take care of them. And so you're the one looking at the guys with the swords (laughs) and they're like, praise the Lord. (laughs) Mercy endures forever. (laughs) You got my back, right? Praise the Lord. (laughs) So... so, And so he sets them up. He's like, you got to win this in your identity. your praisers. You need to be in the right place. There's one of the things that we learn in the kingdom is that when we start to operate from the, long, the wrong place, we're not where we're called to be. We open ourselves up for trouble. Yeah. David did that. I mean, the whole Bathsheba thing. He should have been on the battlefield. He was a warrior. They were out fighting. He wasn't. Wrong place, wrong time. Because he wasn't doing what he was created to do. We have to get that. We have to understand that. And we also have to understand something important about battles is that don't pick battles that you aren't equipped for. Oh, I see that one all the time. People are like looking for a battle. I'm like, if you can go for it. I am perfectly fine with whatever battles find me. I'm not looking for another battle. Some people are like, oh, I'm more than overcome." overcomer. Go for it. Yeah. Have fun. I also believe there's a Solomon that said that he was so filled with wisdom that he was surrounded with peace. I'm going to go for that one. And so Jehoshaphat knows that the sword was not their weapon. Jehoshaphat knew that praise was their weapon. Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. (laughs) So verse 24, so when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, and they looked toward the multitude... And there, and there were their, and they, and there were their dead bodies. Anybody else's Bible have that, or do I have a misprint? Because that doesn't read very well. And no one had escaped. Here he is, he says, you sing, I'll take care of the rest. They sing, they get to this place, I, sorry camera person, but... They get up to this place and they look out. Everyone's dead. All of their enemies. Done. You know all of a sudden the worshippers are like, praise the Lord. For his mercy does endure forever. All of a sudden, like, yeah. The guys behind them are like, it worked. It worked. we see it over and over and over again in the word of God. And when you do what he calls you to do, he'll do what he needs to do. Moses had to keep his hands up. And as long as he did, they overcame. So let's wrap this up. Let's talk about this. And I've given these points before, but I'm going to give them again quickly. Things that happen when we praise. When we praise the Lord and it's intentional on our behalf, the first thing that happens when we praise, we gain rapid access to God's kingdom. When we praise, we gain rapid access to God's kingdom. See, God has this kingdom in this heavenly realm that when you praise... You step into his world. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. I see it this way. I don't know how to explain it. I always, always, I feel like the kingdom of God is voice-activated. You know when you go to a department store and you know you, it's got the motion activated deal and you get close and it opens, I feel like there's like almost this thing in the kingdom that when you sing, when you praise, the gates of heaven just go whoop yeah. because there's something that happens when you praise. Giving praise gains rapid access to God. Giving praise gives God instant access to your world. Praise creates chaos for your enemy. (laughs) I like that one. Praise releases chaos on the enemy. You know, we see these scriptures when the enemy just begins to get chaos happens, comes into the camp, and they just start killing each other. Your praise contains the ability to, when you praise, it releases chaos. Praise unleashes the hidden armies of the Lord. (sighs) Praise can create the reality of God. Praise will create the reality that God is your defender, it becomes your reality. It might be a great concept, but when you enter in through praise, it becomes your reality that He is my defender. Praise opens the windows of heaven and releases blessings on your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) He's getting it. Praise can turn your battleground into your blessing ground. I like that one because there's this thing with Jesus that he loves to see you overcome something and then it becomes actually the place it becomes your blessing. Yeah, yeah. Remember when Jesus was taken into the wilderness and he was tempted, the first temptation was actually that his identity. Yeah. Yeah. The very first temptation was not about bread. It was not about throw yourself. The very first temptation was if you're the son of God. Right. That was the first attack on Jesus because why? He knew he had to go after his identity. Because that was his place of strength. And so he comes to him, well, if you're the son of God, and Jesus doesn't like come back all big and bad, what does he do? He actually takes scripture and gives it back to the enemy. This is so cool. You ready for this? The enemy was taking scriptures and giving them to Jesus out of context. People still use this to control believers. We're going to take these scriptures, and let's see, that sounds like you have to do what I have to tell you. So let me say it this way. So the enemy comes to Jesus and gives him scriptures out of context. Jesus gives them right back to him in context. There's power in the word of God. And he gives it right back to him. But here's the thing. Here's the neat thing about this. And I I didn't prepare this because it wasn't in my message. But after Jesus overcame the enemy... The scripture says a few chapters later that he would often go back to the place where the enemy had tested him and rest. (laughs) I think that's where we get our spiciness from. Jesus is like, I'm going to really rub it in your face. The place that you tried to take me down is going to become my new vacation spot. Mm -hmm. And every time that I'm feeling tired, I'm going to go lay down and sleep there. And not only will I be good, it will remind you, you lost (laughs) there's something to it man there's something to it Jesus wants to take the places I believe this is for everything I don't care if it's for your family I don't care if it's for your finances the area that has been that area where he has went after you and went after you and went after you praise in front of it watch him come into it and watch that place. Jonathan and Faith were talking about it this morning. They said, not too long ago, we did have nothing. I, I know some of that season because that was when I was first starting to get to know you guys. And it was like, they, they're so funny. They used to live right by the church. And they're like, we moved like an hour away. Then we found the church. That stinks. It was like, they lived right down the road. And they began to share their story of what God was doing in the very areas that we went after them. Or yeah. become the areas that are becoming their blessing ground.